Welcome to ALC Pan-African Radio's Education Program. The Education Program is a radio production by African Leadership Center Fellows based at the Center, where they analyze diverse issues on peace and security in Africa. Rwanda has endured the same leader since the year 2000. Yet, despite the lack of transfers of power, President Kagame is generally not deemed to be a dictator. How did such a man come to be? What were the circumstances that allowed him to rule for more than 20 years without the label of a dictator? Leonie Mills, a women's fellow studying peace, security and development at the Africa Leadership Center from Ghana, looks at the context in which Kagame emerged to lead the country. Rwanda's history is a turbulent one with the genocide and civil war. The country has been able to avoid new conflicts thanks to its president, Paul Kagame, who has been running the country since the year 2000 and has split opinion about his leadership. How did such a man come to be? What were the circumstances that allowed him to rule for 20 plus years? The three main ethnic groups in Rwanda are Hutu, Tutsi and Twa, with the Hutus making up 85% of the population. Under colonization, the Tutsus were favoured and elevated until the revolution of 1959 to 1962, and a Hutu-led republic was implemented. Paul Kagame's family were part of the hundreds of thousands of Tutsis who fled Rwanda during this time and settled in Uganda. In the 1980s, Rwandans in neighbouring countries, especially in Uganda, were mobilising as they wanted to come back and reclaim their homeland. Kagame was trained under the Rwandan Patriotic Front, or RPF for short, and his skills led him to become an elite strategist. His hard work and talent didn't go unnoticed, and he was promoted to head of intelligence within Yuwari Museveni's government. These experiences contributed to his expertise in war and governance. Though he was well-versed in this area, it limited him as that was all he knew. From 1990 to 1994, Rwanda was engaged in a civil war, followed by a genocide, after the plane of the then-president, Juvenel Habia Imana was shot down by a missile near Kigali in 1994. By the end of 1994, Rwanda was completely depleted in every dimension, politically, socially and economically. As outside help failed to aid the situation, Rwandans sought to rebuild the country in their way, which saw the emergence of the current leader, Paul Kagame. After the civil war, a government of national unity was formed with the Hutu president, Pasteur Bizumingu. Kagame was positioned as the vice president and the minister of defense. It is here in this position that he began to consolidate his power on his way to presidency. Around 2 million Hutus fled Rwanda, with the majority entering the Democratic Republic of Congo, and rebels began to rearm. They were fearful about retaliation from the Tutsis and didn't trust the government of national unity. By the end of 1995, the rebels were committing cross-border raids and attacking almost every night. The concoction of issues placed Rwanda in a very tenuous situation and placed greater importance on Kagame's position. 
The main goals were to stop the insurgencies, restore stability, and bring those who had fled back into Rwanda. Kagame had various groups of followers whom he influenced in different capacities. He had the greatest mutuality with the RPF, and he had a proven track record of accomplishing their agreed-upon goals, so he utilised that asset to invade the DRC in 1997. Kagame held referent power among his followers, but that was a very small minority. Many were still suspicious of him, notably some Tutsis who remained in Uganda and who didn't like that he and other senior political ministers came from Uganda. Unsurprisingly, many Hutus didn't trust him as he was a Tutsi and they were more inclined to support the rebels. He had sought to build trust with his doubters by accepting more Hutus in ministerial positions so they have a majority in the cabinet. But the important positions had all been assigned to deputies who were former RPF militants. Surface level representation was not enough to create any mutuality to sway the minds of the Hutus. To quell the chances of a counter-genocide, the RPA started to execute those who they suspected of being or supporting the rebels. Within a few months, Amnesty International, a UK-based human rights organisation, estimated that they had killed over 10,000 people. Kagame enacted his coercive power as the head of the military. Though he claims he didn't give such instructions, he did not stop them. The orders were to diminish the rebels and how the army interpreted it was up to them. As Kagame utilised his reward power, the army displayed high levels of loyalty to him. They obeyed his instructions and didn't challenge his authority, highlighting an element of transformational leadership. He was seen to be motivating and appealed to them emotive side in order to sustain such loyalty. Here is the account of a former RPF general secretary. As many people know, I was uh, the general secretary of RPF from 93 to 96. And uh, if there's uh, anybody who could comment on a relationship, especially on revising Kagame, Kagame was uh, a colleague. Uh, I worked with Kagame very closely. I was intensely very loyal, actually to Kagame, to the point of self-denial. And I would say that uh, many people felt the same way about the kind of politics that RPF espoused because we believed in them. After deploying such force to deal with the insurgencies, Kagame then went on to offer some rebel leaders positions within the National Army. Eventually, integrating enough of them in order to completely weaken the insurgencies in the Northwest. By 1999, the rearming threats were less severe and Rwanda had avoided descending into civil war. Then, in 2000, President Bizumingu resigned. Kagame was well positioned to take over. From this, Kagame strengthened his power and disposed of opponents, either by branding them radicals who were stoking ethnic tensions or they ended up dead or missing. Here is a France 24 reporter who lists the alleged abuses. The EU annual report on human rights for 2018, uh, focusing on Rwanda, said that uh, there are continued reports of serious violations of civil and political rights. How much is that a concern for you when it comes to dividing, uh, providing development, uh, funding and investment? 
This was the case of Bismungu, who, after resigning one year later, created a new party, yet Kagame banned them, citing it was an extremist Hutu party. Using a results-based approach, it is agreed that Kagame's goals were met. The insurgencies were stopped, he repatriated those who had fled, and had created a national army that could provide national security. However, utilizing a critical lens to assess the process unearths an alternative narrative. Kagame's actions resulted in a number of deaths, whether innocents or rebels. He pursued stability as his main goal with little regard to those caught in the crossfire. Furthermore, his invasion and assistance in the DRC triggered the first Congolese civil war. So though he was able to provide stability in Rwanda, he had caused instability for another nation. Furthermore, he had instilled an environment of fear and he increasingly relied on coercive power. Many in the international community further validated his leadership by praising the way he dealt with the insurgencies. This set an underlying precedent that allowed Kagame to use coercive power if it meant that Rwanda would be in a better position overall. Here are some thoughts from the European Development Commissioner in 2019. I always uh, give Rwanda as an example what could be done in development efforts within within one generation. Economically? Uh, well, generally, economically, politically, uh, in terms of uh, stability, of, of national uh, mm -hmm. reconciliation, because it, it, it's been only 25 years. Did Kagame save Rwanda, or is he repressing it? Or does the answer lie somewhere in the middle? That was Leonie Mills, a women's fellow studying peace, security and development at the Africa Leadership Center from Ghana. Thank you for listening to ALC Pan-African Radio Education Program. For feedback on this and other programs, please visit our website at www.alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook ALC Radio, numeral number one.